Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your host, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Playing three matches in seven days. Never an easy feat, especially against the Everton side who had uh, about a fortnight break. Um, tough game, and you could tell in the first few minutes of the game we were going to be in for it. Yeah, I mean, like quite a few pundits before, and already started writing us off. Um, I believe Don Hutchinson, he was saying like he was edging it towards Everton. But, I mean, of course, Arsenal were, um, or sorry, Everton were also seemingly more clinical, you know, leading up to this uh, match between Arsenal and them. Because, I mean, Ancelotti seems to have now finally got that, that blend that they've been, almost like, lacking under Silva. So, you know, that was almost like the type of threat they were posing already. I mean, of course, their biggest downfall at the moment has been Jordan Pickford, because, I mean, he's been dropping a few clangers in a few games. But that being said, changes about for Arsenal, six in total with uh, regards to the Olympiacos game. In came uh, Ballerin, Pepe, Ozil, Semayos, Kolasinac and Ketia. What was your thoughts on the lineup? Well, it, it surprised me that we went with Ketia again, especially since um, since Lacazette's been finding the back of the net, you know, two in two, you thought yeah. he would have come in. So that was a bit surprised. I'm also surprised that Torreira never started, you know, yeah. uh, make, assuming that, you know, Everton would have been a tough game. But, you know, we've always asked Arsenal to be adventurous when they were at home and, they, you know, they, they gave us what we wanted. Sebayos again in the team. And um, I think, he started off a bit shaky, giving away that initial foul to um, to that led to that eventual first goal. But other than that, you know, I think the team selected itself, you know, currently on on merit. Uh, anyway, wait, sorry, one surprise as well was also Colosinac as well coming in for Saka. Yeah, and I mean, like with Arsenal, of course, being caught cold with that uh, free, uh, Sigurdsson free kick. I mean, for me, uh, as a whole, bad marking from the get go because yeah, it's hundred percent. Took uh, you know almost like it took an eternity, even though it was like the like first few seconds of the game, for them even just to get organised like for the free kick. And I mean, when the ball came over, nobody's really you know trying to dominate the ball. We get overpowered, and I mean the ball ends up ping pong around the box. And I mean Calvert Lewin, you know, just over kicks the ball past Leno, one or Everton. And you did also mention that the US. One of the danger men, isn't he the top scorer or something like that currently? Right. And I thought maybe it could have been a, a free kick with a high foot. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think also because I mean, it, I mean, it went right across the shoulder blade and the, like just swipe past David Luiz's face. But I mean, I don't know. They even dared to check, you know, the, the the VAR check. And at the moment, we're just not having the rub of the green there. So you know, goal was given. Yeah. But, you know, with regards to the the goal, also it also like, I mean, I don't know how you saw it, like since you know watched the game, how you felt because I mean you could you could feel everybody it was like sucker punch from the players to the crowd. I mean the crowd just went flat, you know, after that thing, that, that uh, goal, and it was almost like I was actually wondering, am I actually seeing this right? You know the way it was played because I think it was clocked at what fifty one seconds. Yes, yes, and I guess psychologically, you know, no disrespect to everybody, he damaged us. The, because of the start of the season, and by that goal going in, I thought I think a lot of us Gooners thought, "Oh no, here we go again." Because let's face it, we it was going to really be an uphill battle. Yeah. We were playing our third game. Everton has come fresh from 
um, a two-week break or a fortnight break. Um, so they, they they were ready to, to go where Arsenal were maybe a bit leggy and you don't want to start the game behind in a situation like this. So for me, I thought, you know, is this going to be our, our first loss under yeah. Arteta? They were like really peppering us eh, for about a good 20 minutes because, look, Iwobi came close. And then, of course, we had that, that uh, hefty collision between Kolasinac and Sidibe, which, you know, I think looked like it did some serious damage to Kolasinac's shoulder. We had to now be substituted for for Saka in the 14th minute. And, I mean, from then on in, it, it looked almost like we were still almost like trying to, you know, shake off the, like they say, the cobwebs when you watch, like, say, boxing and then somebody gets rattled. It takes a while, almost like, for you to shake the cobwebs out before you can, you know, get into your natural game again. I think that there's a turning point also in the game when Saka came on. I think the the guys just, you know, everything is touching turns to gold. Yeah. And that that came through with his 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 was it his tenth or eleventh assist tenth. of the of the season when he he whipped in a a lovely ball for for Eden Ketty. I mean, he I know it was a good cheeky not a cheeky thing like a definitely touch to 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 make it one all but it was all um Saka's ball I mean he's crossing I think Olivier Giroud would have loved Saka to play with Saka because I mean uh, also just in regards to the substitution I mean I even read some tweets by by Everton fans where they were actually saying for them they felt that was also like a turning point because all of a sudden like we Colosinos was like getting caught out because what I think a lot of people actually overlooked, I don't know if you also picked up on it, that with a goal of, of uh, Everton, that could have been probably offside if he didn't, uh, Colosinus didn't get himself involved into that little yes. step with, I don't know who the player was. But just through that play, everybody on, uh, everybody on side and that caused all the confusion in the box. But that being said, when he came off, Saka came on, brought a different sort of problem, a different sort of headache to um, Ancelotti. And I mean, all of a sudden, you, you started seeing him doing overlap runs. Um, I mean, the way he and Aubameyang were reading each other with us, you know, that that free-flowing passes down the flank. I mean, I loved watching it. It, it kind of gives the the opposition's wingers now uh, a bigger headache. Like, now, do you stick it to us? Do you isolate, leave your, your um, right-back isolated now? Or do you have to now give up your attacking prowess and out defend? So, definitely, like you mentioned, help Arsenal transition from the back foot on back and getting into the front foot of the game. And I mean, uh, like, uh, one thing my wife was also mentioning to me during the course of that game, like, was her watching with, and I mean, look, she's also been an Arsenal fan for decades now. Like, for her, when she was watching Saka play, like, you know, the sort of impact he made, and she said it really reminded her of the days when Ashley Cole used to be shifted into the squad so slowly but surely. And uh, it's like, you know, where you eventually would be doubled up with one of the experienced left-backs that we had, where they would be almost like rotated and that. But I mean, Ashley Cole used to do a similar sort of job where you think to yourself, you know, he's, you can't believe this guy is you know, from the academy and he's doing so much damage to the opposition already. It's a, it's a very exciting prospect that we, like, for once in a while again, we have a guy like, you know, Martinelli and then now Saka that's really showing their potential and coming through because in a long time, our youngsters haven't been good enough to be able to do what they're doing now. If we look back, it's been a really long time. So I'm happy that this is happening. And, you know, the, these youngsters are changing the game for Arsenal slowly but surely. Yeah. And in the 33rd minute, David Luiz and finds Aubameyang. I mean, with probably 
a gem of a pass. That's all I can say. I mean, no words really spoken. I mean, when you watch the replay as well, it's just like a slight little flick up of the head by David Luiz, and he knows, uh, or Aubameyang knew, okay, this is the run. And I mean, it was like a typical eye of the needle pass. It, it reminded you of David Luiz Chelsea days when he used to play Hazard in. And I mean, Aubameyang runs, gets onto the ball. And I mean, what we normally talk about, our favourite type of goals, that he's just starting to set up the keeper to line up his near post. And then he just opens up the body and just shifts it like you know, Henri, Henri style into the far corner. Two one Arsenal. And it, it's it, you know your man Sadivi that you mentioned that was one of the danger men for Everton. Actually, you know, a, a lapse of concentration to allow Aubameyang to get in. It was a very good run. Mm. Uh, I arced his run, so I was really impressed with the finish as well. I mean, you know, his confidence is brimming at the moment. And I mean, what Luna just mentioned with the arcing of the run, at first, when, when, when David Lewis first got the ball, you could see Aubameyang was offside, but then you notice how quick he transitioned into getting himself on to, to was like set up almost like a different phase of play. And then he starts with that, that sprint when that, that uh, through ball gets played. I mean, it was fantastic football all around. David Lewis, uh, I know you mentioned him back in his Chelsea days, but it also gave me a glimpse of uh, the six Fabregas of old when he used to wear the <laughs> Arsenal jersey. Yeah, it was... So, Arsenal, of course, start to uh, dominate that, that latter part of the first half. And, you know, almost like either what you and I have been discuss- discussing since we've done the podcast, you know that last five minutes of a game, and when we creep into halftime, you and I always are worried about it. We're almost like a broken record already about <laughs> the concentration levels. And then it came to bite us on the backside again, like with uh, what, in the fourth minute of, of injury time. Again, a, a, a lapse in concentration, and, of course, the ball that, uh, was it Sigurdsson that he hits into the box? It's almost like one of that leg spin balls, like in cricket. That ball just took a crazy, like it hits the turf. And it just almost like does a leg break motion into another direction. <laughs> and I mean, it caused total chaos for, for Arsenal. Uh, I think Elena could have maybe done a bit better with, uh, yeah. to, to you know, prevent that from happening. But you, know, you can't fault the guy. I mean, he... And we'll get there to it, but you know the whole season he's been saving our bacon. So, because I mean it was like a scrappy goal by by, by Charleston because I mean, like he just stabbed the ball home. And I mean again, uh, of course we now just being finicky or picky because of like we us being Arsenal now. But I mean you could have also called that up for maybe studs up because I mean the way he like you know like shoved his foot down like that. But that being said, bad defending all around, and I mean, of course, the goalkeeper seemingly getting lost with, you know, his, his judgment of where his goal was. And that's just two goals that were gifted by bad defending, so, yeah, yeah. you know, we never really made Everton work for their goals, like, we had to <laughs> show brilliant, nice goals. So, uh, switch our attention to the second half, of course, can Lightning strike twice, they say, and of course, 23 seconds later, in, bang, Aubameyang then powers home, uh, Pepe cross, Emirates was rocking 3-2 Arsenal. And, and, and it's, it's like Aubameyang, uh, I heard a stat that he's scored only three headers for Arsenal and they've only come under the Arteta reign. So that's a, a, an interesting fact. I mean, I don't know if, if, if any of our listeners can correct me with that, but there's also a good cross from Pepe. You know, it seems like he's starting to become a trademark of looking for Aubameyang out wide to you know shift in and put that cross in. Because, I mean, the defenders don't always see it coming from from the back. Yeah. And I mean, what I also liked of, of the goal was, look, Pepe could have been rushing himself and, and almost like choked on the, the cross. But I mean, you could see the minute he cut inside of the defender, 
you first don't like almost like compose himself and he doesn't like you know he get a bit of chance enough picking out the bombing and I mean the way Aubameyang just powered home between like the defender, the defensive line of of Everton, was I mean a fantastic goal because I mean also like uh, as somebody that used to play as a goalkeeper, you hate that sort of balls coming in when uh, when somebody's heading or shooting the ball into the ground, but it's not like the bounce is ending up you know beating you and, and nestling into the net. Yeah, so goals first in the first minute of either half. I'm not. I'm sure that hasn't happened in a really long time. Arsenal, of course, now, you know, smelling blood and now starting to swarm all over Everton. And I mean, of, uh, Ancelotti then, of course, immediately responds because I mean, he's also a very proactive coach. He then brings on Gomez and Bernard, who, of course, starts, you know, almost like more dictating the, the pace in the middle of the park. And I think that has also got, got to a point where you could see Arsenal also slapping, slacking off on the hour mark because now all of a sudden Everton started taking charge and now all of a sudden we're now sitting on the back foot now trying to just break on counters. Yeah, I think that's when Arsenal started, you know, the, they were becoming a bit jaded, like Arsene Wenger used to say. They were starting to get exhausted because, I mean, like I said, the third game now, you know, in a, in seven days or something like that, where they played. So, and, and you have the likes of Everton who haven't played. So, you know, automatically fatigue would kick in. And like you said, Arsenal just started sitting very deep and were willing to kind of, like you say, soak up pressure. But... Um, you know, the, the result could have been very different if, if things didn't, you know, go our way because we had that bit of luck which normally we didn't have really under the Arteta reign. And I mean, there were some real, like, I mean, I don't know how you saw it, but I mean, for me, nearly like heart-stopping moments because yes. certain things that we were... I, I don't know if I, I messaged you like eventually privately or whatever, but the sort of risks that we were taking in, in our third of the half of the pitch... It was like 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 there was one point I think where Saka tried a, a step over and, and, and one of the Everton players just put his foot on the ball. Saka falls over. Immediately Everton go on the break and you know narrowly miss. Then you had also other opportunities where our guys were almost like instead of just hoofing the ball upfield or out into touch, because I think that is where Mustafi saved a lot of people's backsides in that team because he was the one of the defenders that was actually just getting that ball as far either up the pitch or deep into the stands, just to, to for us to you know catch some sort of breath or get some sort of formation back into into the game again. Yeah, I must give another you know he had another good performance in in this game, and I know he's come under a lot of scrutiny of late. Or you know we or me personally, I've also slated him and you know said I wanted him out, but. You know, he's really he's really showing his, his his desire to play for Arsenal and where another player would have walked out already yeah. or striked, he was really professional. So I'm happy for the way things are going for him, but yeah. Yeah, so you know, of course Calvin Lewin then also just misses a, a Richarlison cross and I mean I couldn't believe it because like, I was already watching almost like the goal. I think I don't know if he glanced the ball past with his head or something, but I mean it was like a what you would call a sitter, and I mean, he ended up, you know, fluffing that chance, and then Leno had also pulled off some fantastic saves again from Calvert Lewin, as well as a long-range shot from uh, Fabian Delph. And I mean, of course, I was just thinking to myself, I mean, I don't know how we're going to hold on because I was almost like getting to a point where I was screaming at the telly, almost like to, for Arteta to just sub Özil even because all of a sudden you could see the minute Özil tires and 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 you not you know you're suffering with with 
where you needed extra bodies and extra sort of legs, that fresher legs in midfield. Because, I mean, look, I think uh, Sebayos was also dead on his legs. Because the minute Torreira came on, you could see there was some sort of injection of pace. And, of course, when Gundozi got um, subbed in for Ozil, you could also see that control was slowly coming back to us. We, we were trying to then hold onto the ball and, and almost like drive Everton back again. Because, of course, it was it became like a ding-dong battle with both sides having pops at each other. And I mean, Edwin Ketia, 86 million, I believe. He then cracks one of his shots against the crossbar. I mean, he was, I mean, for me, very unlucky. I mean, he had the beating of Pickford. Yeah, and Ketia is like, uh, you know, I haven't been the biggest fan of him mm-hmm. sometimes because he maybe, he, he sometimes his feet maybe works faster than his brain is working. So he ends up doing something he's not supposed to be doing or overheating a pass or you know his ball control sometimes not the best but his his work rate really makes up for it and I think he's he's doing really well and, and he's taken a chance very nicely and Arteta must have been seeing something in him since giving him the opportunity since he came back from Leeds. Yeah. So you know also as you said in the start of the podcast, three wins in a week. So onwards and upwards. And now we move our attention to the Arsenal Olympiacos tie this evening. Round of 32, second leg. So, of course, time to make, you know, extra show of progression to the uh, next round. And, you know, like my personal opinion is, you know, try to put this bed to, uh, like, you know, to bed as early as possible. Uh, I'm hoping we're going with a strong lineup because I know Olympia, because I don't want, uh, you know, with the, the situation we had, was it the 2015-16 season where they came and beat us at the Emirates? Yeah. So... You know, we, we shouldn't take this lightly, and I'm hoping to see the likes of Lacazette and Aubameyang in the yeah. starting lineup with perhaps Martinelli as well. And I mean, like for me, with the Knicks only being uh, Portsmouth next Monday, uh, yeah, next Monday, we should also go, you know, full strength because now you can at least think, okay, we can play them, whatever the players can get a rest. And I mean, you can probably take a chunk of that, maybe the team, the guys that now played or were on the bench, maybe. And you let them play the, the Pompey game now next week. So, of course, Danger Man still for Olympiacos is Valbuena. I mean, look, we've known him even like in his yeah. friends also. I mean, he's always somebody that keeps him either, you know, ticking no matter where the chips are down. He's the one always that you have to, you know, keep a close eye on. And I think also, like, as I slowly wrap up with this, uh, I also think the crowd also needs to play a massive part this evening because I think the, the, you could see the players of feed of that. If you think of that sort of performance that was not done, against Newcastle where that, that stadium was rocking right through that, of like especially the second half when we just overran them. And I think this is how we should go about things tonight. Also, really, you know, almost like show no mercy to them because Olympiacos at the moment, they are on a decent run because the last five matches they've won, uh, I think four and lost the only one and it was to us because they are still un- unbeaten domestically. Yeah, I think, you know, you don't want to be giving it away goal up very early because if they score a goal, they could sniff blood and then, you know, the Arsenal crowd at times when it comes to situations like this get very nervous. So, like you said, let's let the players and the fans work hand in hand. Let the fans give the crowd things to shout about and together, you know, they can get on the backs of Olympiacos. Yeah. So now we also move our teams to the fifth round FA Cup tie against Portsmouth away from home. Uh, it's probably the next uh, to beat the Wesley Cup test for Arteta. Uh, playing Portsmouth were, you know, chasing promotion from League One. 
So I think from what I heard, the coach actually also said this is actually more of, or it has become more of a, a distraction to them than, you know, something positive because they, I think, fifth in, in League One, you know, really chasing that promotion spots or the playoff spots. So, you know, that's almost like they don't need to really be sidetracked. So I don't know how they're going to, you know, go about uh, with placing on their lineup for uh, their test against us. And also, the game has been sold now for a couple of weeks. So, you know, it's going to be really a packed crowd, especially the home crowd. And I mean, we know the Pompey and the Chimes and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. The Premier League days. So, yeah, Arsenal will probably ring the changes for this match. I'm sure with, uh, you know, the our next Premier League game only on the 7th of March at home to West Ham. So I think, you know, it, it might as well, you know, give some of the, the, the you know, the uh, squad players also a good run out there. It'll be good maybe also for Nketiah to maybe lead the line in this game as well. So I'm hoping maybe he gets another opportunity. And like I said, maybe comes back. I think, you know, back also maybe can play in this game. And now he can squeeze them both in. But I think, like I said, he's someone that needs to find the back of the net. Because I think he's a very confidence-based player. I mean, if his confidence is flying, he can take really any team apart. I mean, we've seen this with him. So I hope he gets a chance there. But I don't know if Arteta will ever try to play Nketiah and Lacazette in the same kind of setup. So now we switch our attention now to the talking points part of the podcast. Um, of course, the the one thing that's been like floating around in the newspapers the past, like say five days or so, is now Lacazette. And, and there's all talk about if Arsenal can't guarantee in Champions League football, he would leave. So now he got asked that question now yesterday in the press conference. And I mean, at first he gives this total, you know, quizzical look. And he asked like, now where did that come come about? So they now asked him if that was like one of the stipulations. And he said, he said nothing of that sort. He don't even know where that article came from. And then he also added that like, for him, he said, why should I leave when I'm happy here? Because he said it's also it's based on like his happiness as a footballer and as a person. And he said right now, he's in a good place now with Arsenal. You know, that's a very good answer from Lacazette. But you have to look at these clubs. It's all out there at the moment. You know, Arsenal, I know we're a long way away from it. And, you know, could, it could all be a pipe dream. But... With yeah. Arteta, and you know, you mentioned it as well, rebuilding. But if you look at, at, at the Barcelona side, the Real Madrid side, all those teams, at the moment, yes, they would probably beat us. But, they, like, you know, they are on one a decline, then, you know, Arsenal's on a decline at the moment. Arsenal are slowly starting to get there. You know, we still need to make the various changes and signings. But you look at Real Madrid, they don't look anything to be wowed about as they would have been with Ronaldo. Same with with Barcelona. If you take Messi out of their team, they, you know, still are Barcelona, but they're not as great as they once were. Bayern as well, you know, is coming right. But these top teams out there, you know, aren't as dangerous as they once were. And you can look at Arsenal, you know, if they can get their players right, you know, who knows, in two, three years' time, we could be a force. I think that was one of the pointers that was brought up you know, when this whole transition period was taking place and, and it kind of started falling apart with, with um, Emery, was when you have that, that sort of uh, sort of plan or the project where you're going to start basing your squad where you're going to have maybe an average age of, say, 21 or 20. Because if you think of, say, Saliba, when he comes uh, next season, you're going to have that defence, like, reasonably young and actually a good age because 
I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm just putting aside people like Socrates, David Louise right now, but I mean, if you're talking of Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, then you take Saliba, and this is also like kind of leads into my, my uh, other point that I also want to bring in with regards to the talking points was when you do that strengthening in the summer, if you bring quite a lot of these players that are, you know, just about going to start eating that, that peak for a young footballer, if you can bring them in with that, like, you know, that crop, with that sort of mentality where of that, we still have that sort of hunger and desire. But, I mean, also some, someone that's also going to be competitive and make us also as a squad or a team competitive. And so we can start fighting for bigger things. Do, do you think Mustafi will get sold in the summer or do you think there's still a, a chance for him to to be at the club? I mean, like, my personal take is, I'm still sticking to my guns from like what I said start of the season. We still need to get rid of these sort of like people like him. We still have to eventually get rid of because look, you must also put sentiment aside. Because look, at the end of the day, we're still a football club. We still want to have success with uh, like, you know as a team, and it's going to take probably tough decisions like where it's going to, but it's going to have to be made because same can be said with with Socrates. You don't see him. Being somebody that's going to lead the squad further on down the line, or or say David Luiz as well. I mean, David Luiz, I think contract based. I think he will probably just see out his, his second year because I mean he did sign a two year deal, and I think he will probably sit out the, sit the two years with us. But that being said, like I would still get rid of Urzel. I would still get rid of Jaka, Mustafi would still be on top because you can think these guys can still bring a uh, lot of cash for the club. And I mean, right now, I think we also need, look, we're going to probably get some sort of uh, minimal budget. About. I'm not saying it's going to be, again, like the whole 45 million that the people were throwing about. But I think we're probably going to have a good like, chunk, like probably close, like just over 100 million probably. And then, I mean, if you take the, in, into context now these plays and, and they get sold as well, it's going to bring in a hell of a lot of revenue. And also, I think that what could also be worked on now, probably leading up to the summers also, Getting this this contract extensions done with Aubameyang and Lacazette, if they do not sign, then they will have to be transferred. As simple as that. From what I see, Arteta, you know, believes that mm-hmm. you know Aubameyang could possibly still be at the club, and I think maybe with the ascendancy of Arsenal, you know, who knows? Arsenal win the Europa League suddenly. I know we still have a long way to go, yeah. but. You know, the, the, the opportunities are there presenting itself, especially Spurs losing against Chelsea. I mean, that's a big plus for us. And, you know, hopefully when we do take on Man City, they'll be more focused on the Champions League and knowing that, you know, it could be a nothing game in the in the Premier League because, you know, no matter what happens, they're still going to be knocked out the Champions League, you know, not going to be able to play it. So they might as well try to go all in there and, you know, maybe we can pip them. And we're also playing... We play Liverpool eventually, I know, late on in the season when they could have the title wrapped up. So, you know, these these little things can play into our favour. I know it's, it's game by game, but looking at the bigger picture, there's a lot to play for. And, you know, these players' futures it still could be at the Emirates. So, that's also where, where um, Klopp is also worried with regards to Liverpool. That, you know, once they win the title early, is that sort of hunger and desire still going to be there? You know, where they would see off teams. Because, look, look, we've seen it ourselves first and now Arsenal have just wiped the floor with, with, with teams in, in championship seasons and then they like just take their foot off the gas the latter part like the last two three games and you can see the the mind is kind of on holiday already because you look you know you got the title done in Dustin 
Because you remember the time when we beat, I mean, we won the league. I forgot which season it was. It could be, I'm not sure if it was 97, 98. But I mean, uh, I think some like two days later when they had to play against Liverpool with the title wrapped up, Liverpool slapped us 4 0. 4 0, yeah. But uh, 100% that we went on to also lose to Aston Villa. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, let's hope that because I don't want this invincible reign of Liverpool to be to you know take it away from Arsenal. But each week they get closer and closer, and you know if they win the title, that invincible they could have been, they will probably end up having more wins than we did. So, yeah. So the other talking point I was going to bring up was the whole left back problem because I live you saw in the media um, we are not showing interest in Mark Cucurella. He's a Barcelona left-back who's on loan at, at Getafe at the moment. I mean, he played quite well against his parent club the other day. I mean, I think they just managed to lose 2-1. But, I mean, he had the number of... Uh, was it... Not Jordi Alba. Who's the right-back? Oh, yeah, that... that uh, Samedo. Oh, Samedo, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he shows like... Because it's almost like watching soccer. The, the same sort of running action, uh, you know, uh, being the attacking threat. He also knows when he must sit in defence. And I think, who knows, I mean, that could be a decent option because I don't think it would cost that much money like, with, with him now. Because, look, I think he also wants a change because he's also just tired of waiting in the wings because uh, that, uh, what's that, the junior that plays left-back for Barca as well as Jordi Alba. I don't know, like he's not third in the picking order there. That's why he even wanted this loan deal to, to get up at Getafe just to get away there. Speaking about, you know, left-backs and what what do you think we should be doing with Saka? You know, do you think that Tierney and you know, a new left-back should fight out and then Saka should be in his rightful, you know, winger position or even, you know, a guy that can play behind the striker or in the front three? Or or do you kind of prime Saka to kind of play this, this left-back, wing-back role where you see now how Liverpool have, have kind of prided the game on attacking wingbacks, because at the moment, you know, Saka is looking better than Ikta Ballerin on that side, yeah. like on from an attacking point of view, and, and defensive even. And I mean, uh, you can also notice in that, um, like, especially in the Everton game, I don't know if you picked up on it, but Everton were doing all their attacks on the Ballerin side, they were not really trying to have a go at, at Saka, because they knew, he, like toe-to-toe in, in a race, he's always going to catch up to them. Whereas Bellerin always like he always he looks tentative with all his decision making, whether it's in a sprint or even going up and uh, up to attack, he, he he still looks in two minds. And I think that's a, that that in the injury of him, I think it caused a hell of a lot of mental damage. Like you know, yeah, more like a mental thing to him where he's always like overly cautious. And I mean, we all know Bellerin for you know that that lung busting runs where he would uh, go forward. And the thing is, almost like he has to always think twice before he does certain things. Which, I mean, I can fully understand because coming from an injury like that, I mean, I, I worry with people like him or even when you see Rob Holding getting bumped off the ball. I mean, you don't want that, that need to jaw or anything because you know what could happen again. Yeah, that, that is quite scary. So, you know, would, would you kind of, with Saka, play him as a left-back continuously or do you want to see more of an attacking threat like as a, as a winger or anywhere in the front three? I mean, I, I still would prefer him as, as a winger because... Just imagine if, if let's say, Tierney's fitness can be up to scratch. Because I think, at the moment, that is actually my biggest concern with left-backs at the moment. Because same with, with, with Colosina. Every time Colosina is breaking down, coming back, breaking down. 
because I mean, if you think of of, of uh, Tierney and, and Saka, they would actually, if you remember the cup games that we played with him in the early, early rounds of the yeah. Carabao Cup, the two of them were actually dominating games yes. on that flank because they would almost like take turns with that overlapping runs. Like one time Tierney would cross, or sometimes Saka would go ever go or ever pop at the right back or right wing back. So I mean, they they would actually complement each other, but I, I still think. If if we do bring say another left back in, then I would actually have Saka play the natural uh, left wing position because I think we also lack that sort of thing because that that le- real attacking threat as a left winger because like with Aubameyang he always has to cut inside if he plays out left, whereas Saka is going to give you that natural threat. He's going to give you the natural type of cross as well into the box. I agree. It was like a Gareth Bale kind of guy. You know, how would his game as a left back and suddenly took the the world by storm as a as a left winger. Yeah, and just like as I know, you know, wrapping up the podcast now. With regards to summer, um, the strengthening of the squad. I mean, my take personally. I mean, I would like to hear your take also. It's like I would actually personally like one uh, centre back, uh, probably one goalkeeper to replace uh, Martinez, then probably a one holding mid to almost like kind of complement uh, Torreira. And then, of course, maybe, I mean, of course, I would like a, a winger. But, I mean, if, if Saka can go back to that position, I, I'd be fine without. And then, of course, I was thinking of maybe bringing also another striker. Or do you think we stocked up with forwards? You know, it, it, it depends. If, if, if our strikers currently now stay mm-hmm. as is, then I say, you know, keep it as is. But if we lose a bombing, I do think... We're going to need somebody to come in. I mean, Martinelli is still very young. You can't depend on him to to to, to win games every single week. Lacazette hasn't sh- has shown that he can also be hit and miss at times. So we will need another striker almost maybe on a Lacazette level, maybe slightly understudy that could do a job for us. But, you know, and I'm talking about this, I'm thinking as well. If Saka comes as a left-sided player... You have Martinelli and Lacazette who could also, you know, fight it out for that main striker position. Then, for me, my so it's it, it, very on the fence with that. But my main thing is we need a dominant midfield player, whether maybe a centre back coming in as well. But for me, the main thing for me is a dominant um, midfield player that is going to be like, you know, I know Watford's in a bad state, but the Corde. He does really well in games where he makes himself his attack and defense. You know, I don't understand cliche, but like a Patrick Vieira game, someone will take the game with the scruff of the neck. We don't really have that at the moment. Oh, and as I also want to end off, um, I don't know if you heard of this, the plans in the pipeline, of course, for a, a Wenger and a Santi send-off like from the club. Because I don't think there was not really that big of... I mean, I think... Wenger, yes, but with Santi, I don't think so, like a, a real speak sender for him. So, from what, uh, you know, hearing out of the grapevine, the Emirates Cup, I think 2020, there's going to be some sort of thing with regards to, uh, it could be Villarreal being one of the squads there, with, with Santi now finally getting a right sender from the Emirates crowd. And of course, I, I don't know, it could also coincide with, with Wenger and, and probably that, that statue that everybody's been talking about. Yeah, but I also heard that you know, if Arsenal season don't go according to plan, they could end up playing European qualifier in that period, so they could also miss out on that as well. So let's fingers crossed that we get the job done tonight and we know we don't 
end up going that route and missing that such a momentous occasion. Yeah. And with that end of the podcast, um, I hope you guys have, have a fantastic weekend. I hope you enjoy the match tonight against Olympiacos and the match on Monday against Portsmouth. Come on, you Arsenal. Okay, let's go, Gunners.